Hi, and welcome to Christ Community Church, where our mission is restoring our broken world. My name is Trisha Rindles, and I'm the Director of Family Ministries here at the church. At this time, I'd like to go ahead and invite our ushers forward to receive our offering today. And this is just a time in our worship service where we get to give back generously to God of the things that He has blessed us with. And so thank you in advance for giving today. If you are new with us today, welcome home. We are so glad that you are here with us. And whether you've been here for a long time or whether you're new, we want you to know that you can get plugged in to the community here at Christ Community. Uh, we want you to be a part of the life of the church. And a way that you can do this is by filling out the connection card in the seat back in front of you. Uh, that connection card can get dropped either into the offering or you can bring it out to the welcome desk. Um, for those of you who are new, we have a gift there for you if you turn in that connection card. We would love to connect with you today. Also on the back of that card is a prayer request form. And if you have a prayer request, go ahead and write that down. Um, you can drop it in the offering or again, drop it at the welcome desk. And we would love to come alongside of you in prayer this week. Hey, remember Greg's joke from a couple weeks ago um, about laugh your way? Well, I have a better one. What do you call a melon who can't get married? A cantaloupe. I know, funny, right? In all seriousness, we do have Laugh Your Way, a couples event uh, coming up on January the 31st and February 1st. We would love to have you join us. Phil Gunger is gonna be here live. He's fantastic. He's gonna be exploring the dynamics between uh, men and women. We would really encourage you to sign up for this event. You can do that online. It's $35 a person and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Okay, can you believe that 2019 has already passed us by and here we are in 2020? That must also mean that the annual meeting is here. This Sunday, January the 26th at 1215 in the auditorium will be our annual meeting. Come and join us in celebrating what God has done in 2019. We'll also be uh, voting on elders as well as looking forward to what God has in this new year. We will have pizza in the gym after the 10.30 service. You can join us for lunch and then head on into the auditorium for the meeting. We look forward to seeing you there. And now we have a really special announcement from little Henry in regards to our Kingdom Kids Carnival. Hey everyone, I'm Henry and I'm five years old. Guess what? The Kingdom Kids Carnival is in two weeks. Can you believe it? Join us on February 7th at six o'clock here at church. We'll have bounce houses, laser tag, carnival games, face painting, and a cupcake bake-off. Mmm, cupcakes. You won't want to miss it. It's gonna be so fun. That's all for now. Bye everyone. Have a great day. Well, that is a very hard announcement to have to follow. And no, I do not have cupcakes for all of you this morning. I'm sorry. Uh, my name is Jeremy, and I have had the privilege of serving on the lead pastor search team for the last seven months. And uh, if you are visiting with us today, we are really glad to have you. And you have chosen to join us on a really special weekend as well. And uh, if you have been with us for a while, you are aware of the journey that we have been on. And I am just so excited about um, today, about this weekend, and about what God has in place for our future. Um, one of the prayers that I have for myself is that I would have a heart like King David. And I just think it would be really special 
to be able to stand before my Lord and have him look at me and be able to say, uh, you too were a man after my own heart. Um, and so as I study King David and I look at his life, one of the things that he does really well is celebrate. And he likes to dance before the Lord. I'm not much of a dancer, and trust me, I am not going to dance naked in front of all of you as he did. But I am that excited, okay? Um, so uh, we have been on this journey, and uh, the search team has done a lot of interviews, asked a lot of questions, talked to a lot of different people, checked on a bunch of different uh, references, um, and it has just been confirming for us to see how the Holy Spirit has moved through this whole process. And uh, you as a congregation have been uh, on this journey with us in prayer and in fasting, and we are so grateful for that. And God has been very, very faithful uh, to his people here at Christ Community Church through this whole process. Uh, I have tons of stories that I can go into on what that process looked like, uh, but I don't have enough time to do that here, so feel free to ask me later. Um, and we'll go through some of it at the annual meeting here as well. Um, but on behalf of the search team, the elder board, and the staff, uh, we are confident that the Holy Spirit has told us that um, God has appointed Daryl Holden to be our next lead pastor. So come on up, Daryl. And uh, let's give Daryl a warm welcome. <clears throat> so, the only bummer about this morning is we have been putting these poor folks through a bunch of paces this week, as hopefully many of you had an opportunity to meet and greet them throughout the week. Um, they're a little wore out, and they've shaken a lot of hands. But because of that, uh, Marie is sick this morning. She is down with a fever at the hotel room. We've been praying for her. Hopefully, uh, the good Lord will give her enough energy to get uh, up and about here for the annual meeting, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Um, so we can be praying for her. Um, so unfortunately, we don't have his better half, but we do have yeah. Daryl. So as long as we got him for another couple hours, I think we'll We're be good. able to make it. Um, so with that, can I pray for you real yeah, quick? Let's do. Heavenly Father, um, it is such a, such a privilege to be here with your people this morning and uh, to witness and observe and to celebrate your faithfulness, your kindness, uh, and your grace. And um, Father, we pray for Marie this morning. We pray that you would heal her. pray that you would give her uh, the energy to, to join us, if at all possible, here this afternoon yet. Um, but we're just grateful that they're here. And Father, I pray that you would give Daryl uh, clarity and uh, your words to speak this morning, Father. And pray that you would give us the ears to hear. And Father, I pray that you would help us to uh, sense and rest in just your sweet Holy Spirit's presence here this morning with us. In your holy name, pray these things. Amen. All right, brother. Thank you. Hey, well, thank you guys for that uh, warm welcome and um, that tender awe about Marie being sick. But one of y'all got her sick earlier this week, so <laughs> you should feel bad. Um, I'm really excited to be here with you today. Um, it's been really, it's just been really cool the last several months as the Lord has um, directed our path 
to your path and what he's going to do for us in the future. I'm really grateful for your search team that they put in, guys, they put in so many hours. They asked so many questions. Um, there's, there's been so, like they have given so much to you, to the Lord, to us. I'm so appreciative of the effort that they put in to get to know us and to let us know them and by virtue of that, getting to know you as a church a little bit. It's been it's been a great experience for me and um, for Marie, and we're so thankful to be here with you guys uh, at this point in the lead pastor search. So thank you for receiving us. Thank you for um, thank you for the warm welcome and search team, elder board, staff. Like you guys have just been great to us. So we really appreciate you, and I'm I'm really thankful for the chance to be here with you guys today. This is our third week um, to be your third weekend to be at uh, Christ Community Church. It's the first weekend to be on stage. The first weekend I was here was back in the middle of December, and several of you were kind enough to like, you know, I'm a first-time guest, and you're asking me the questions that you ask first-time guests, and we just lied to you. Um, <laughs> we're here to visit friends. We're like, you know, I mean, just we didn't tell you anything, and so if you got lied to, it was all in good fun and good-spirited. So we're good there. Um, this is my first weekend to speak, and this, so this is the third service of the weekend, but I'll tell you what I've told everybody else because it hasn't changed yet. When you're speaking in a new room, one of the hard things is like you just don't intuitively know where the clock is. So do you guys know where the clock is in this room? Hey, you all know where it is, right? Um, so I've been looking at it for the last three hours, but like the, the other piece of that is I don't know what time we're supposed to stop. <laughs> so the clock doesn't matter. What time am I supposed to stop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we'll just stop when we're done, and that'll be just, it'll be just fine. Um, so it's 10.53, we're going to be done around, around o'clock, <laughs> and then you've got an annual meeting after this. So um, I, I've been here, again, you know, one of the things that I do when I'm in, especially, you know, checking you guys out, and you didn't know I was here, I was watching you, uh, the way you listen to messages. I, just, I was just curious about what that was like, and I was just really impressed with how you guys pay attention to the different guys, there were two different preachers here, the two different weekends we were here, and I just, I just want you to know, like, you listen really well, and so we're going to have no problem getting done at uh, o'clock um, today. So um, if you have a Bible, would you take it and turn with me to Matthew chapter 16? Matthew chapter 16, um, in just a minute, I want to read for us, um, verse 25 is going to be kind of the theme of what we're talking about today. But I'm just curious, like this isn't really a test, but how many of you use, like you bring your own Bible and you have a paper copy of the scriptures with you? You let me know, just raise your hand. Okay, um, you're God's people. Um, <laughs> how many of you use like your phone or an iPad or whatever that other company, those other things? I know where I'm in that territory, that's okay. All right, um, how many of you are counting on the screens? Like, a lot of you didn't raise your hand at all. So this is supposed to be the awake service. Um, all right, so, so whatever it is, it's all good. When I'm speaking, I've got a paper copy. When I'm not, I usually have my phone in my pocket, and, and most of the time I'm counting on the screens. So we're, we're together in all of this. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and uh, he's in the middle of an important conversation with them, and, and he says these words. He says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So I think those words sound a little dark and ominous, just kind of on the surface, but if you'll hang with me for the next little bit, I think you're going to find them to be really encouraging, maybe even inspiring to you. 
And so as we begin our time together, what I'd like to do, unless you're brand new like I am, um, most of you know kind of where your church has been as it relates to this lead pastor search. And so I'd like to just share with you a little bit about Marie and my journey, what got us to this point. Um, just so you know, but it really connects to what we're going to talk about today. So I was a lawyer before God called me into ministry. So um, Greg has, I was once a lawyer, but now I'm found. He said that a number of times to me. Um, and he's right. Um, so I was practicing law, just miserable in that. And, um, and the Lord, through a series of events, really confirmed to us that God was calling me out of that into pastoral ministry and the church we were part of in Edmond, Oklahoma, sent us to Dallas Theological Seminary. And I knew going to seminary that really what God had called me to and what he had gifted me for was to be in a lead pastor role. And so I spent a few years in seminary and got through that. And when we got done with seminary, I didn't want to go be a lead pastor right away because I knew I wasn't ready for, for what that entailed. And I knew that any church that would hire me for that role like, I didn't want to inflict me on them, and I didn't want to inflict that church on my family. It just didn't look like it was going to be a, a good thing right away. So, so I had the opportunity to serve two different churches coming out of seminary, um, first as a single adults pastor, and then as a um, young families pastor, basically, for about seven or eight years in the Dallas-Fort Worth area under two very different but really good senior pastors. And I spent those seven years really learning all I could about that role, and they invested in me in some incredible ways, and I'm really grateful for that. In 2006, um, God called us up to Brighton, Michigan, which is in southeast Michigan. And um, we did nine years there as I was the lead pastor of a church there. So those of you who are wondering, if you don't know, I'm in Austin, Texas right now. And you're, you might be wondering, like, what do you think about all that white stuff on the ground? And it's not cold today, but, like, it's been cold. Um, we've, we did nine years in southeast Michigan. We've lived in cold weather country. We know what all this is about. So at the end of that nine years, like, as the... As my time there was coming to a close. So 2006, the Lord really, like Isaiah 43, which Pastor Greg has talked about with you guys a couple of times, um, Isaiah 43 really jumped off the page at me um, where God talks about he's doing a new thing. And Marie, in her meditation and reading time from the Bible, God gave her the words, the little phrase, new and different. And so our time in Michigan was coming to an end, and he was, he was saying, I'm getting ready to do a new thing, and new and different just kind of became our mantra. And, and we ended up, God directed us to this church in Austin, Texas. It's Austin Christian Fellowship. My role there was is campus pastor. I'd never been a campus pastor before. I didn't really, you know, it was, that was definitely new and different for me. And so for, I spent the last four, four and a half years as a campus pastor at this church, at the main church. It's a multi-site place. And so I've been doing something that's new and different. And Marie, I'm most like our life, she's been, she's been a stay-at-home mom until our last couple of years in Michigan. She was working part-time for a realtor. And we came to Austin, Texas, and she was kind of getting to know some of the local mission stuff that our church is engaged with. And she just fell in love with this pregnancy center, and they ended up needing a director of operations. And so for four years, she's been... Director of Operations at the Pregnancy Center, and again, very new and different for her and for us. And so we've had this great experience with our church and with her work and the ministry that God has allowed us to do and the friends that, like, all we've been part of. And we're living that great experience in the summer, so by starting in, I don't know, April, May of, of 2019, I had this 
just this unrest, frustration, just heart level, like just ugh, going on inside of me. And I was, I was holding that before the Lord, and I was asking the Lord to speak into that, and Marie and I were talking about it, and, and I just I couldn't get any resolution. It was like the Lord was silent about that, and I'm trying to work through and figure out what it is. And it lasted all the way until September. It was Friday morning. It was Friday, September 13th. So it was Friday the 13th, and I'm at my computer, and I get this email from a person that I had never, I didn't know him at all. And, and the subject line of that email said, lead pastor suggestion. And here's, here's what that email, chunk of it said. It said, this is a little out of the blue, but I wanted to briefly touch base with you and make you aware of a new lead pastor opportunity. And as I read through that email and looked at the opportunity snapshot and then read through the profile of the church and all that stuff, like in all that stuff that had been going on in my heart for the last four or five months, in that, in that five or ten minutes that I was reading through that email, it all just settled down and I knew what it was. I mean, it, was it was the Lord telling me that your season and this new and different season, it's over and I'm ready to move you back to a lead pastor opportunity. And so Marie got home from work that afternoon and I said, hey, I need you to read this email, look at this what do you think? And she looked at me and she's like, what do you think? And I said, I think, I think the Lord's moving me out of this role and back into that thing that we knew he called us to and that we've been prepared, prepared for all these years. And, and she was like, absolutely. And so I had a meeting with um, my leadership schedule. That was a Friday. I already had a leader, a meeting scheduled on Tuesday. And so I met with my senior pastor and um, other leaders. And I just said, hey, listen, I got to tell you guys something that God's doing in my heart and that I know he's up to and um, God's moving me out of this role that I'm in, and it's time for me to go be a lead pastor. And they just looked at me, and I said, hey, I got this, I got this email from um, this church, and Marie and I have talked about it, and we're in agreement, and we don't know if that's the church or not, but we just, the light we have right now is we know our next step is to step out of this and to step into a search to, to be a lead pastor. And this, so they took two weeks. We took two weeks to pray about it with our leadership and they prayed with us and for us and we prayed and we came back together and and we were all a yes on this that this is this is the next step that that God had for me for Marie for us and our ministry together and um, as we begin to tell our kids about it and to tell our friends and the people what God was doing we said hey listen we don't know what God has for us but he was so kind that the church that contacted us is way up in Rochester Minnesota and, and so it forced us to sit down and look at each other and just say, hey, are we willing to go wherever God would send us? And for Marie and I, we said, like, that was a quick conversation. Of, yes, our answer is yes, we're willing to go wherever God would send us. And we sat down and talked to our kids and we said, hey, this church is all the way in Rochester, Minnesota. They live in Texas. So if, if this is the church for us, would, would you guys be willing to send us to this? And their answer to the Lord first, but to us is yes. Like we're willing for you to go in that. And so, so in September, what had been about 16, 17, well, it had been the end of September, um, I, I stepped out of my role. Our church was generously put us on a leave to explore this, and I stepped out of my role. We stepped away from our church, really not knowing where our feet were going to land. And he wouldn't you know it. Feet are landing like right here in the snow, in, in this... We love the city of Rochester. It's a beautiful city, and, and the vibe of compassion, like God's putting us into this, this compassionate city. And, and he's knit our hearts to yours and to this church, and like this, this amazing, you guys are tender-hearted, ready-to-move-forward church. 
I got to tell you, I'm so grateful that I clicked on that email on that Friday morning, September 13th, and I'm so thankful to the Lord and for his faithfulness to us. And that's really what I want to talk with you about today, is I want to talk with you about the faithfulness of God. And more than just talk about the faithfulness of God, what I'd really like to talk with you about is like how we respond to him because of his faithfulness to us. Okay, so what I like to do is, um, most of the time you hear me speak, I like to give you a one or two sentence summary of what I'm going to talk about. So if you're really tired and you need a nap from this point forward, you're still going to know what I talked about. Um, if, you're, if you're in this room and you have a parent or a grandparent or somebody's going to ask you, hey, what did the pastor talk about? You get this sentence down, like, you got it. All right? So, so we're going to be on the same page when we're all done Here's what I want to talk, like here's the one sentence summary of this whole thing. Because Jesus is trustworthy, my answer to him is yes. Like that's, that's really just what I want us to, to say together, to affirm in our hearts together. Um, this isn't my statement about me, this is like, this is going to be our statement about us, your statement about you, because Jesus is trustworthy, my answer to him is yes. And so as we really begin to think through this, let me take you back to the verses that are around the one we started with, the one about losing your life and finding it. All right, so, so let me just take you into that scene. It's Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21. So Peter makes the amazing confession to Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, yeah, Peter, like heaven or flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. My Father in heaven made that known to you. And so that scene closes and we enter this scene from that time on Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're not or you're stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So for just a minute here, let's grab on to what Jesus was saying to Peter. He was saying to him, Listen, you're not you're not concerned about the things that God's concerned about. You're concerned about the things that people are concerned about. So keep those two little categories in mind that Jesus kind of laid out for Peter there and let me bounce you over to Romans chapter 8, verse 6. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church in Rome, and he says this, he says, The mind governed by the flesh, or if we could just use Jesus' words to Peter in there, the mind governed by human concerns is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit, or Jesus' words, the concerns of God, is life and peace. So if we could give these verses coming together two categories for evaluating the way that we live our lives, let's just think in terms of there's, there's a way of living that leads to death, which Jesus says those are the concerns of people, and there's a way that leads to life and peace, which Jesus says are the concerns of God. I think just like just asking the question, which way would you rather live? You know what I mean? Like, which would you rather have? Would you rather have what Jesus declares to be like 
this path that leads to death or would you rather live in the way that leads to life? And we find ourselves then looking at those words back to Jesus. So he says to his disciples, verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow after me. Our verse, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So again, a little dark and ominous sounding, but can I just tell you, everything that comes out of Jesus' mouth is good news. And so there is, there's good news in these verses. What Jesus is doing here is, like first and foremost, to those guys he's talking to, he's prepping them for what's coming in their future. Right, so he's talking to his, his disciples, and the first layer of that is the 12 guys that he called and that had spent all this time with him. And of those 12, like there's Judas that peels off and betrays Jesus, and then of those 11, 10 of those 11 guys actually ended up being martyred for their testimony of Jesus. Uh, John, the Apostle John, who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he also wrote Revelation, he lived a long life, but he was persecuted. They almost killed him, but he survived it. And so he lived a long life. The other 10 guys... They all had a moment where they had to make a decision, am I going to try to save my life by denying Jesus or am I willing to hold that loosely, lay that down and experience life and peace? So Jesus was definitely prepping that first group of guys that he was talking to for the day that was coming for them. But this verse, these verses, they're, they're written for a broader audience than just the people who are going to face the life and death decisions. They're written for people like you and me, too. Because, I, mean, I mean, we're sitting here in 21st century United States. We have all kinds of freedom. We have this climate that we're not really sure which direction things are going to go. But, but really, like, unless something really crazy happens, you and I are not going to face an environment where we're going to have to make the decision the, the big decision. Am I going to, like, am I going to try to save my life or am I willing to lay it down? For us, probably a series of smaller decisions. But what Jesus is doing is he is, he's speaking to the human tendency of, of holding on to your life and for his first followers and for brothers and sisters around the world who live in other places, it's that human survival. Am I, am I, willing, to, like, am I willing to lay this down or am I willing to, to give it up? To people like you and me, he's talking to us about like whoever wants to... I, I think he, if he were standing here today, I think what he would say to you is like, hey, if you want to hold on to life as you know it, if you want to chase after comfort, if you want to chase after ease, if you want to chase after security, if you want to chase after being well thought of, if you want to hold on to life as you know it, if you want to hold on to your visions and dreams for the future about like what kind of school you're going to go to or what kind of job you're going to have or how much money you're going to make or when you're going to retire or what your life is going to like, if you want to hold on to life as you know it, what actually happens in that is you miss what you're aiming for by trying to hold on to those things where you hope you're going to get what you're trying to hold on to, you're actually going to lose. And instead, he would say to us, if you would hold all of that loosely, like if you would be willing to hold all of that loosely and, and when I ask for it, turn it loose to me, what you're going to find here is what you're looking for over there. I will give you life and peace. And I think that's so kind of Jesus. 
like to step into our lives. Like this, this is why this is good news. He stepped into your life and my life and said, hey, that thing that's so natural to you, like that way that you naturally walk, the way you naturally drift, like we all drift towards holding on to life as we know it. And that way that's so natural to you, holding on to life as you know it, it doesn't get you where you want to go. The path to life and peace is to hold life loose. So when I ask you for something, when, when you're looking at me, I'm speaking to you. If instead of saying, no, I've got this, you would say, like if, we, if we're a group of people who say to Jesus, when he says, hey, this is the way, we say to him, like we're holding life, we'd say to him, yes. I, to me, I just find that to be incredibly good news, that he would, he would confront me and my natural tendency to hold on to life as I know it and as I want it to be, and say, hey, listen, Daryl, that's not the way that leads to life. If you want life and peace, here it is. And so for us, I don't think it's the big decision, it's the one big decision, it's a series of little decisions. And I've just kind of made this list of some of the little decisions that have come up in my life. See if you can, like, see if you identify with any of these. So, so there's those moments where this tug on your heart or you hear kind of a whisper in your ear. There's just, it's a moment where you know that like, it's the Lord saying, hey, and so for me, like saying I'm sorry to somebody in my family. You know, there's, there's, there's a moment where you've got to decide, am I going to say I'm sorry or am I going to let this thing keep going? Or to say I'm sorry to a coworker, Or to say I'm sorry when I'm right, dadgummit, in a way that is wrong and that apology thing is a big deal for, for humans. We want to hold on. We want to save face. We want to make sure that like, even if we're not right, that we don't act like we were wrong as we keep moving down that path. And I, like what I would say to us, in those little moments, there's something way bigger at stake. My list includes praying out loud in the moment for someone who shares something with me. You know, you're sitting at a restaurant or you're standing in the hallway of a church or, you know... Like, and we've already prayed together, but now I'm hearing about, like, you got something, like, there's a burden that a friend of mine or somebody I know is carrying, and, and instead of just saying, hey, I'll pray for you, like, in that moment, especially at a restaurant, like, after you've already prayed for your food, which is kind of out there for some of us anyway, and then now we're going to pray again, and people are going to see us, and they're going to wonder, like, what, what kind of people are these, like, holding on to that, what people think of us, um, raising my hands during a worship song. I don't know if you guys ever have this experience, but sometimes, like, for me, we're, there's just something about who God is and we're singing about that and the worship team has done just such a great job of like focusing on an attribute of God or something he's done for me. Like I've got to do something more than just stand here holding my water or holding my coffee. And so like, like but look how tall I am. And you know, I mean, put my arm up in the air and I take up a lot of space and the poor person next to me is like, they're this high and... Some of you guys who are short, I was, standing, I was sitting over, standing over here during worship service, and I looked out here, and I, just, I saw somebody's hand just barely above the head of the person in front of them. It's like, yeah, when you're that, like when you're that height, raising your hand's not a big deal. Nobody can see you anyway, right? <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but just like to have that little tug on your heart that's like, man, the Lord deserves something more in this moment than than me standing here holding my coffee and thinking, eh, I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. So that's, like, that's a thing for me. Um, asking my neighbor about his faith journey. Isn't it amazing what we know about our neighbors? Like we know about their kids and we know about their dog and we know, like we know all this stuff about them. And 
having a conversation with them and just something inside goes, um, hey, ask them, ask them about their faith story. Ask them, you know, do they have a church background? Ask, like, ask, just enter into that most important area of their life. And it's like, oh, what do they get mad? I don't want to be, I don't want my neighbor to be mad at me. And, and so, like, having that, um, giving money to somebody who might use it for things I don't approve of. As we've driven around Rochester, you don't have a lot of people right now this time of year, I guess, standing on the corner asking for help. It's warm in Austin. We have a lot of people standing on street corners asking for help. And one of the characteristics of our city is we're, we're open to that and welcoming to that. And, and to, to drive past somebody or to be at a stoplight where somebody isn't just, you just feel like, feel the Lord say, hey, help, help that person out. It's like, but Lord, look at them. I'm like, they're not going to use this for food. They're going to use this for something I don't, like, I'd rather not money be in... I don't think the Lord cares. If he says, give them some money, I think... And so there's a decision to be made there. Like, am I, am I going to hold on to life as I know it or want it, and even under the guise of being a good steward, am I going to say, like, I'm going to choose something... Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to hang on to this. Or am I willing to hold all of that loosely and just and say yes to Jesus in that moment? Now, one of the things that I know is it's true about me, and I'm betting it's true about you guys, because, I mean, you are the 10.30 service. That's not quite the sacrifice of the 9 a.m. service. <laughs> but you got up this morning, and you came to church on a, on a day when you could be doing a lot of different things. So I'm pretty sure about you that, like, when you feel the Lord, like, nudge you in some way, whisper something to you, you, you you're not a spiritual toddler about it. You're not like, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm betting that we're the same in this, that um, in, instead of the, like, no, it's, it's more along the lines of, eh, not this time. You know, maybe later. I, like, you know, next song, if something happens inside of me, I'll raise my hands. Or next conversation, I'll, I'll ask my neighbor about their faith story. Or next time I see that guy, I'll give him ten bucks. Or, you know, I mean, like, it's, it's not this solid no. It's just, it's a, eh, Maybe the moment passes or, you know, not now. And, and what, 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 that moment, though, what that moment is, that moment is, am I, am I going to hold on to life as I know it and totally miss? Or am I going to lay down life as I know it and life as I want it to be? Am I lay that down? Say yes to Jesus and experience life and peace. And so what I, what I want for me, I want for you, and I believe about you, like all of us, we want to be, be yes people. Right? I mean, if we just, if we just put in the, the categories that the Scripture puts it in, do you want to walk the path that leads to death, or do you want to walk the path that leads to life and peace? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. The answer to that question is so obvious. We want to walk the path that leads to life and peace. And so to that end, I want to give you, I want to give you four different things for yes people. And I've, just, I've, I've titled these four things, Living Out Your Yes. And these are, these are really practical things for us to do. And what I want to say to you, though, as I give you these four things, is I'm not asking you to try harder at anything. Um, I resist and rebel against try-harder Christianity. 
when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he's offering them this, them this way that leads to life and peace, he was not shaking his finger at them. Well, I mean, he was rebuking Peter, but the rest of the people who didn't agree with Peter and weren't like people like us who were like, Peter, what in the world are you talking about? You're talking to Jesus. What, you're telling him what he's going to... Like people like us, Jesus isn't shaking his finger and saying, hey, hey, you bad Christians, try harder. He's not wagging his head going... You know, what am I going to do with you guys? He's, he's helping us see that there's some stuff that he wants to give to us and there's some stuff that he wants to do for us. And there's, like this yes is a way of receiving what he wants to give you and, and having the kind of life that, he, that he's, like he's designed for you. So, so please, in all of this, and not just today, but every message from the... Like, don't ever hear me say to you, hey, try harder. Like, try harder as a Christian. Try harder. This isn't try harder. This grace. We stand and live in grace in a God who gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. And our job is to receive and walk in what He wants us to receive. So with that said, let me give you these four things. The first thing, it's just this little phrase, spiritual eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to understand. Eyes to see what God's up to. Ears to hear His whispers. Um, a heart that gets what's going on when he, when he nudges you, that, there's, like, that is sensitive to what He's doing. This phrase is from the Old Testament. It's, it's all through the Old Testament, and it's actually a statement about God's people that they did not have these things because they were trying to manufacture them for themselves. And the good news for you and me is that you can't, you can't grow spiritual eyes any more than you can grow your own, like mm, yourself into physical eyes. You can't, you can't create spiritual hearing for yourself any more than you could make yourself, like will yourself to hear physically. And you can't have a soft spiritual heart any more than you can will yourself into a healthy physical heart. Like this is a gift that God wants to give to you. And... Like this is something that Jesus Jesus wants you to have this. This isn't like this isn't Jesus sitting in heaven and saying, eh, if they want it, great. If they don't, that's fine too. This is like he actively wants you to have this demonstrated by his willingness to leave heaven and the privileges and the glory of being God and come to earth and take on humanity and walk on this earth for thirty years and and to end it, like Jesus died on a cross. And Jason mentioned it this morning. He talked about dying a criminal's death. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. Jesus did not get sick and die. He did not get run over by a donkey. He didn't fall off a cliff. It's like Jesus, he died on a cross. Cross was the way the Romans, who were the governing authority in his day, the cross was the way they executed criminals. He... He, Philippians 2 says, He humbled Himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And all of that motivated by love for you and for me, and all of that for this, like, He went to that extreme so that you and I would receive what He offers us, and what He offers you is spiritual eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to understand. He's the only one who can give them to you. He's the only one who can sharpen your eyes, your hearing, and, and soften your heart. And, and so, like that you would receive and keep on receiving what He wants to give you. Spiritual eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to understand. So that's the first thing. We're just going to receive that together. Here's the second thing. 
Um, pay attention to God's past faithfulness. So again, not asking you to do anything, just to notice. Just to notice what, what God has done. Every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room, whether you've been a Christian person your whole life or if you're just kicking the tires to this whole faith thing and trying to decide if there's something in it for you, every person in this room, you've experienced God's faithfulness to you. He's, he gives you breath. You know, we're breathing. That's, that's His faithfulness to you. We've all experienced God's faithfulness and, and to notice that, like to look for that, to, to see like, where God's been faithful. One of my favorite illustrations about this is, especially for people who are going to be yes people, it's like you're walking and, and the path or the line that you're on is like it just comes to a stop and there's this big gap and you can see the line start ahead, but it's like how am I going to get across this gap? When you're looking forward, it's like this dotted line. But when you turn and look back, it's this continuous line. Because, because the truth is, when you and I step into this life that God wants to give us, and we walk this path that He wants us to walk, but we, ex- we experience His faithfulness, and so to pay attention to His faithfulness in the past, those of you guys who are raising kids, this is critical. It's critical for you to raise kids who, who follow after Jesus, who follow in the footsteps of your faith. Um, Marie and I were raised by, by godly parents. We had this poured into us. And we started having kids at the time when you know, family ministry became a thing and churches and lots of books and advice. And like, we've had this poured into us. And so we've spent our lives being able to point out to our kids, like, hey, this is where God's been faithful to us. This is where God's been faithful to us. And you can trust Him. You can say yes to Him. You can, I know it feels like you should hold on to this and that you should, but turn that loose. And I mean, we still do it. We still do it. They'll call us and they'll tell us the different things that are going on in our lives. If they're worried about something, we'll say, hey, you remember when you were worried about this other thing? Yeah, I remember when I was worried about that other thing. How did God come through for you in that? And just, kind of, and just try to remind them. And they're old enough now, they, could, they do it on their own too. But those of you guys who are parenting, like all of us, we need to pay attention to God's past faithfulness that encourages us in the moment when it feels like you're stepping, you're stepping off a line, you're stepping into something that's unknown. He's always been faithful. You can, like, you can trust him and keep moving forward. So, so pay attention to his past faithfulness. Here's the third thing. The third thing is to surround yourself with yes people. If I could just put a phrase on this, I'm, we can say yes to Jesus, right? Because of his faithfulness, we say yes to him. Whatever he's asking of us, we say yes to him. If you're going to be a yes person, you need to have yes people around you. And um, Marie and I have that right now. We're going to need that when we come here, but we have that right now. We were on a mission trip to Serbia in May, and in the middle of the night, my phone buzzed, and it was my small group leader texting me, and it was the middle of the night in Serbia because he was, I don't know, it was the middle of the day in Austin, Texas, and he just texted me. And his text said, um, whatever the Lord is asking you in this trip, you need to tell him yes. It's like, holy smokes. <laughs> I'm in Serbia on a mission trip. What's coming, Lord? I mean, like, are we getting called here, or... Or what is it? And, and there was nothing like, you know, n- all kinds of cool mission trip things happened in that trip, but there was no major, like, you know, called to Serbia kind of stuff. So we get back to Texas, and I was like, man, what the heck was that? You know, you, you text me, and he just said, I don't know. I was praying for you guys. I was praying for you on this trip, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you whatever he's saying to you, whatever he's asking of you at this time, you need to say yes to him. And how cool is that? That my small group leader 
You guys come life groups, right? So I'll get that right at one of these points. We call him small groups. My small group leader, he's willing to, one, he's praying for me, which is just amazing to me. And two, he's willing to risk what I might think of him, what time of day it is. Like he's, he's willing to, to get out there, to get himself out of his comfort zone and say to me, whatever the Lord's saying to you, you need to say yes to him. And I so appreciated that because like if, if I'm going to be a yes person, I've got to have yes people around me. And like if I could just brag on the church, just sending us here. How many of you guys are from Texas? Anybody here from Texas? Okay, woo, right? Um, I only saw one hand. Did I miss any? Oh, there's, okay, a couple more. All right, good. So there's like four or five of us in the room. I get a yeehaw. Come on, you got to be from, you're from East Texas. How many of you know how, um, how Texas people are about their state? You know, like we have, Texans have a reputation around the world for being obnoxious about Texas. Are Minnesotans that way? No, yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, yeah, we haven't seen any hats with the state and the little heart on them. Like, we haven't seen anything like that here. Um, can I just tell you, nobody at our church has looked, uh, like, they, they are very clear about, hey, have you seen the weather in Rochester, Minnesota today? Um, and they poke us a little bit on some stuff like that, but do you know, nobody has said to us, are you guys nuts? What are you thinking about? Like, nobody said that. You know what they said to us? They said, we're really excited for you. We really believe the Lord's in this with you. When the Lord's calling you, like, we want you to be obedient. We're going to miss you guys. We love you. We want you to be obedient to what the Lord's calling you to. Can I just tell you, as a guy who's, who, like right now, we're, we're so excited to come here and we're in the leaving phase. Um, to have the people that are sending you to a new place just say, hey, we're yes people. So you're yes people, we're yes people. Our answer to the Lord with each other is yes. I mean, it's just been so great. To, to have yes people around you. And if you, like if you hear that and you're like, I don't have any yes people around me. Um, I don't know any of you guys yet, so I can't point you to yes people. But Pastor Greg can. Trisha can. They know all of you guys. Like if you grab a staff member and say, I don't have any yes people. Can you get me connected to some yes people? They'll get you connected to some yes people so that you can have, like, so that you can walk the path that leads to life and peace. All right, so have yes people in your life. And then here's the fourth thing. Cling to a promise from God. Cling to a promise from God. One of the big promises of my life, not, not just like that God has made promises to us, but like to have a promise from God that you know is from Him to you, that you hang on to through this season or through the rest of your days, to have a promise from God. I want to share one. I'm going to share like my major one with you. The Lord gave this to me, it was January 2nd, I believe 2000, I know it was 2006, so whatever, January 2nd, January 3rd, whatever day is Sunday, that's close enough to January 1st that we were, Marie and I were in Edmond, Oklahoma, visiting the church that sent us to seminary, we, we were on vacation from our church in Fort Worth, and we were contemplating, praying about moving from Dallas-Fort Worth area up to Brighton, Michigan, our oldest was going into ninth grade. Our youngest was going into first grade. All the parenting experts, everybody looking at you would say, this is not the season of life to move your kids. We were moving to a part of the country we'd never, we'd never lived in before. We didn't know. It was a cross-cultural move. And, I mean, like, it's a big decision to move your family and to move your kids. And, and yet the Lord was in that, and, we're, and He's stirring us. And, and so I was sitting in church that early January day, 
wasn't the senior pastor because it was too close to January 1st. It was a light crowd because it was holiday weekend, so one of the other guys on staff got a chance to preach. And he preached on Psalm 121. Psalm 121 starts with, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It's the first psalm in this section of the psalms that is, it's called the Psalms of Ascent. And what those psalms, they were written for people in the nation of Israel who were journeying from wherever they lived to, to the city of Jerusalem, which was in the mountains, and they were going there like in obedience to God's command to, to worship and sacrifice and be part of the festivals that were there. And so, so as they started their journey from wherever they happened to live to, to going to Jerusalem is, I lift up my eyes to the mountains... And the mountains are dangerous. Like there's unknown in the mountains. The, the roads are narrow. The paths are slippery. There are robbers in the mountains because all the nations around us know that all of us are on the road at this time to go worship our God. And there's like we're easy pickings. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And then the next verse says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Of course, like it's a psalm in the Bible, it's going to say, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then the next verse, it's like the psalm, the speaker changes. Instead of the, instead of the traveler saying, hey, my help's coming from the Lord, it's like the voice of a more experienced, more seasoned traveler is speaking to the group. And, and what this seasoned traveler who's made that journey many times says to the group who's trying to figure out how are we going to make it through the mountains, how are we going to get there, he just says about the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, he says, he will not let your foot slip. And I was sitting in church that day, and, and when whoever it was that was preaching, second stringer, um, he, when he said, he will not let your foot slip, it's like the Lord just said, I will not let your foot slip. And I just got to tell you guys, from... From that day, really before that day, long before that day, from that day to this one, he's not let our foot slip. And he won't let your foot slip. Like He just won't let your foot slip. The path that leads to life and peace, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't look like it's going to lead to life and peace. Because it requires you to turn loose of things that you think are important, valuable, dreams you had, like... It requires you to hold all that loosely and it doesn't look like it goes there, but I've got to tell you, it leads to life and peace. And so, so my encouragement to us this morning is that we would just be yes people. Just be yes people. I just want to invite the band back up as they come up here. I'm really hopeful that this morning as I've talked, that like the Lord has been whispering to you a part of your life where, where he just wants you to say yes to him. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. A part of your life where it's, like, it feel, like the way I've been going, it feels like it should be life and peace, but it's not. And Jesus is telling you in this moment, like, hey, I have life and peace for you over here if you just say yes to me. And so I'm really hopeful that, like, he's whispered something like that to you today. And, and as you're thinking about that, I, would you think about this with me? Can you just think about what might happen in our midst if this many people all at one time just said yes to Jesus? Because of his faithfulness to us, if we just said yes to him and we say, hey, life, life as we know it, like that stuff that we would say is so important to us, we're just, like, it's overrated. 
You know, life as we know it is overrated and we're just going to hold all of that loosely and Jesus, our answer to you is yes. Some of you guys go to the same schools. Some of you live in the same neighborhood. Some of you are in the same workplace. Can you imagine what would happen in your workplace if, if those of you who work in the same place all of a sudden are like, you have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand and, and you're, willing to, like you're willing to follow those little nudges, follow those little whispers, like you're willing to do that, you just step into what God lays out in front of you. Could you imagine how your workplace would be different? You guys who live in the same neighborhood, can you imagine how your hood would change if, like if all of a sudden we're willing to pray for our neighbors and we're willing, like, we're willing to ask them about their spiritual journey, not because somebody on the stage said so, but because like, I'm just following those little tugs that the Lord put, like that he tugs in my heart. I'm just saying yes to him. Can you imagine how it would be different? Can you imagine... Can you imagine how different the city of Rochester would be if a group of people like us would just say yes to, to, what, to what the Lord is offering you and, and to just be real loose, like to hold real loose life as we know it, life as we hope for it, life as we envision, life as we dream, we hold all that really loose and, and say, like we just say yes to what Jesus has for us. That's because he's faithful us. He said this great big yes over you. He, he said this great big yes to you and because he said yes to you and yes over you, you can say yes to him. So would you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me? I'm going to give you just a minute. If he's put, like, you felt that tug. And you, maybe you don't even know what it is. But just in this moment, if you would say, yes, Jesus, whatever you're asking of me, I, I'm just going to hold life as I know it loosely so I can walk in the way of life and peace. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you have said yes to us and yes over us. So in this moment, we give ourselves to you. We trust you. The way it looks a little scary, we're not exactly sure. But you are always faithful. Because you're trustworthy, we'll trust you. Our answer to you is yes. And so I pray these things in your name. Amen.